Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity may contain explicit and questionable content. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individual podcaster Rebecca Adams and are not based on the advice of a licensed therapist, psychologist, or psychiatrist. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Human lives follow many paths, presenting twists and turns and choices never planned, never expected. Temptation, anger, depression, and loneliness all can lead a person to a mistake they can't take back. Facing judgment and isolation, a person can feel very alone. These are the voices of women who have chosen to cheat on their spouses or partners. Hear their stories. This is Raw Truth, Stories of Female Infidelity. Well, hello and welcome to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. My name is Rebecca and I am the creator and host of this podcast. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. I do hope you find the podcast helpful. Today we are going to start a new story about Alana. And this is actually quite a long story, so it will be a two-part episode. Hopefully, the way that I've been doing this lately with them being back-to-back weekly instead of every other week has been a little bit more helpful as far as retention and understanding and retaining the story information. So I've had nothing but good feedback, so I hope that continues. I felt lonely growing up as the youngest of three in my family. I had two older brothers who seemed to spend the majority of their time watching each other play computer games. I tried very hard to get their attention by inventing games they would like. I even once created a carnival in my room and gave away my craft collections as prizes. But once the prizes were gone, I was still left bored or with my mother. I think of myself as an odd child that has one of the best friends from grade one until high school. A memory I had from my youth was when my mother and I would have a disagreement regarding school clothes. She wanted my clothes to last more than one year, so she insisted on buying them too big. However, she swears to this day I wouldn't wear anything else. I was homely looking and hated getting my hair brushed. I began brushing it when a boy a year older at school said, Why don't you brush your hair? By the 8th grade, my nickname was The Beast. And even in high school, it followed me with some of the same boys going to the same school. By the age of 15, I had been exposed to enough to mimic femininity and mask as the socially awkward tomboy I was. I even stole a thong from someone I babysat for. In high school... I was a loner. I met and began dating a popular guy from another school. We spent the next five years fighting, breaking up with each other, and then getting back together. We broke up so many times that I truly believe if he wanted to be with another girl, he would just call to break up with me knowing we would get together again after a couple of days. When I was about 16, I liked a guy for a whole year. All I knew about sex was it was something you'd do with a boyfriend. A guy asked me to be his fuck buddy. I said, I only do that with a boyfriend. He said, you want to be my girlfriend? 
I said, okay. We had sex and then he dumped me the day after. I thought sleeping with a guy would make him be my best friend and so I continued to sleep with guys and after what they got what they wanted, they ended things with me. I truly didn't understand that there was a problem with that and looked for love the wrong way for many, many years and I was heartbroken. I was very naive and young for my age. I remember back then that I began an online relationship with an 18-year-old boy from Texas. I was in love with him and we spoke online and on the phone every day for hours. It turned out to be a 37-year-old woman with two children. She had sent me pictures of her kids and said it was her niece and nephew. I recently saw her face online for the first time. I recognized her children and they were all grown up. It was very strange as I don't understand why she would do this to a young girl and keep up the facade for so long. This was before catfishing was defined. My parents were very conservative and they didn't ever, ever talk about sex. When I was probably 13 to 14, my mom walked into my room without knocking and caught me naked humping a pillow. I said, changing. My mother didn't leave the room. She stayed and scolded me for lying to her because I wasn't in fact changing my clothes. She found out I'd lost my virginity by reading my diary. She knew who it was with and called his mother and met her at Starbucks. I had no privacy. She would listen to my phone calls and I would find my messenger conversations printed out in stacks of paper on her bedside. I have children of my own and raised them differently than I was raised. My mom was a prude. When I got older, as a young adult, she said I was loose and I had no morals when I began sleeping over at my future husband Scott's house. I was staying at his place more than my own. I brought it up later when we were out for sushi after Scott and I were engaged, thinking perhaps she may apologize or say she was glad it worked out. I asked her if she remembered when she said that. She said yes, and then there was dead silence. I met my husband Scott on an online dating website 13 years ago. At this point, online dating was very new, so meeting people there was generally easy as long as you could hold a conversation and my online game was good. I had taken the best parts of all the male profiles I had read and mashed them together, so my profile was epic for that period of time when nobody knew how to play the game. I, however, had met so many men I wasn't interested in by the time my husband came along. I was completely jaded and only willing to put in as little as possible. The first time we met was at a Starbucks where I had brought the eight-month-old I was taking care of as I was on shift as a nanny. I figured if I was going to go on another lame date, then I should be paid for my time. I had even asked him to bring his teaching portfolio because I was studying social work and had wanted to go to teacher's college when I finished. To my surprise, he was much better looking than his photos. I instantly wished I was wearing something nicer and without baby formula on it. He obliged and had in fact brought his teaching portfolio. It held transcripts of math and science marks 99 and 98%. He was valedictorian. 
I had never dated a smart guy before, I thought. He talked, and I listened. And the baby? She bounced up and down on my lap, accidentally hitting her head against the window in the process. She cried hard, then fell asleep for two hours. Scott was charismatic. He talked, and I listened to every word. I was captivated by his traditional good looks. When it was time for us to part ways, I strapped the little one in her car seat and gave Scott a hug goodbye, locking eyes with him once more. Waiting for what I thought would be our first kiss. Bewildered, I'd stood there, still drawn to him, and I gave him a second hug before walking back to my car. From that moment, I knew there was a chance he was the one. I had an upcoming date with a guy that I had been out with once before. It was to go to a Raptors game. He was good-looking, from the city, and a Raptors game was a step up from a dinner date, so he had points for that. Scott made such a good impression, and I felt he had a chance at being my future husband. I didn't want to have to tell him that I went on a date with another man after he and I had met. This was unlike me, as I had no problem dating multiple men before. I hadn't believed that there was really such a thing as cheating unless it was with the man you are going to marry, so this was my first chance to show that I could do it. So, I ghosted Raptor Boy. Within three weeks, I had Scott's apartment key and we were both smitten. My dad took Scott to a Leafs game and when he came back he told me I have to decide if I want to settle down because Scott was serious. At age 23, I shouldn't have felt a need to settle down. But Scott was 28 at this point. I felt I had always been the black sheep of the family and both of my parents loved Scott more than me, it seemed. Once I was committed and with Scott, it felt like they had a newfound respect for me attracting a man of his caliber. Scott could talk to them about all sorts of things. He had went to school for engineering but had discovered his passion for teaching. He is one of those men that is good at everything. One time he pulled a sock off my foot because it had a hole in it. I thought he was going to throw it out, but instead he grabbed a needle and thread and sewed up the hole. We were engaged after nine months and moved into my parents' house to save up for the wedding. We stayed with my parents for almost two years because I also wanted a house. In the beginning, Scott made me feel like the best version of myself. I felt like he was such a good catch that I had to be the absolute best I could because that's what he deserved. As time went by, about two years, that feeling faded. One time, I bought a dog without telling him and brought it home. He was so mad that I had made such a big decision without him. I thought, girl sees puppy, girl buys puppy, no big deal. He saw it as this huge thing and held a grudge over it for years, but never told me. It really changed the dynamic of our relationship where he had had this resentment I didn't know about. He would want to stay at work longer. I would bug him about coming home. He would then just want to work more. He would stay downstairs. I would stay upstairs in bed. He would eat at the kitchen table. I would eat on the couch. We didn't talk much. We just had no common interests, nothing to talk about. When we did go out, it was always with other people, so we would end up talking to the other people the whole time and not to each other. We weren't friends. 
I never thought he was funny. I remember thinking I just wanted to laugh. I felt he was holding me back from being myself. I felt he was boring. All of this developed into unhealthy habits. I put him down a lot and he accepted it. He grew scared of me. I thought I was good at debating, but I was gaslighting him. He didn't understand why he could never win an argument. I thought that meant I was always right. He trusted me unconditionally, which meant he was okay with me going out with men as friends. He knew I had always gotten along better with males instead of females, so he was comfortable with me meeting men online. I enjoyed the freedom, but I hated that he wasn't more protective of me. I began to push the boundaries more and more. I was then allowed to hang out naked with men at the nudist club since my husband was not interested in going. I made online posts about wanting to go with anyone who wanted to try it. I would choose the most attractive men I could find and spend the day with them naked in the sun. I was coming home horny and my sex life with my husband actually got better. Still pushing, I told Scott that since I'm allowed to go to the nudist park with men, then I should be able to go to a sex club with one of my new friends that I had just met. There was a heated pool and I wouldn't do anything. My husband said okay, just as long as he was a friend. My new friend Josh was in an open relationship with his wife. He was very muscular, tattooed, drove a truck, gorgeous locks of long hair, loved country music. He was totally my type. He came to my house and shook my husband's hand. I was already two doubles of vodka deep and off I went. I wasn't tempted. Josh and I had been approached by a couple. I declined, but he went to have intercourse with the attractive blonde. I stayed in the pool while others made polite advances. I came home at 3 a.m. hoping Scott was awake waiting for me. Nope, he was fast asleep. Months later, I brought up going to the sex club alone, still hoping to strike out some sort of jealousy from Scott. I even said I would most likely get very drunk, so I would have to sleep in the car. I thought that he would be adamant about it being a terrible idea. I was shocked when he said, if you're going to sleep in the car, it has to be the Corolla because I'm taking the Santa Fe to London. I knew at that point that my safety meant nothing to him. We were so far gone. I was out the door. Meeting guy friends was just my way of seeing what the dating field was like before committing. Just getting my toes wet before making any life-altering decisions to leave my husband. Scott has always been a consistent rock and I have been an emotional abuser. He had not realized it for a long time and put up with it because his father, who he is estranged from, was emotionally abusive. In reality, he grounds me. I need structure. He takes care of me. If I didn't have him, I would be lost. He takes care of the whole family. I was misdiagnosed as bipolar and tried bipolar meds for two years. It turned out none of them worked because I really have a mixed personality and autism. We almost split up year two and did counseling. Our problems had a lot to do with my perspective and the way I saw things based on my mental health. 
we were able to repair our marriage enough to try for children. We suffered a miscarriage initially, but then we tried for two years and finally got pregnant with our daughter. We only had sex in the end about once every two months and I would initiate it and I wouldn't even want to do it. I would just initiate to see if he would want to do it or not. When I got rejected, I would feel upset and wonder what's wrong with me and wonder what's wrong with him. I had had weight issues my entire life and at this point in 2019, I was the thinnest I had ever been in my life. I was thrilled with my body. People were giving me so many compliments. I was loving my new body. I was taking sexy photos of myself for the first time. I had dropped about 30 pounds in a short period of time and weighed 115. When I met my husband, I was 150 pounds, so when he rejected me for sex, I felt resentful. I couldn't help but think if he didn't want to sleep with me, I should find somebody else. We had been married nine years, together 12, and I had never cheated. That is until I went to a party out of town. It was a very strange night at a cottage in the middle of nowhere, which involved magic mushrooms, bongos, striking crystals, singing bowls, people stretching each other like working out stretching. I was lying on a fur rug in front of a fireplace and this hot guy was stretching my legs all the way over my head like you do after a workout. It wasn't in a sexual way, but it felt sexual. I think he was a physiotherapist. There was a lot of kissing between myself and a friend. The next day, that friend asked me to let him know if I was going to tell Scott as he would like a heads up. I felt terrible. I knew this was someone I wanted to remain friends with. When I confided in a different friend, she told me that telling my husband would only make myself feel better and cause him misery so I kept it to myself. I decided to sit him down and talk spicing up our sex life. I was concerned by the fact that my friend's hand on my hip made me more wet than my husband's had in months. I asked him why we weren't having sex. He said, maybe we would have more sex if you weren't so thin, if you were nicer to me and worked out more. My husband and I never swear at each other. It's one of those rules we have out of respect for the other, and that was the first time it went out the window as I looked at him in the face and said, Fuck you. I don't even remember what was said after that. I got in my car and drove to a friend's for the night. And this is where we will end today's episode about Alana. Remember, in one week, we will be back to conclude her story. You've been listening to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity, where women share their stories of why they stepped out on their marriage or relationship. But have you ever wondered what the husband or partner has to endure when they find out about the affair? It's such a controversial and sensitive subject. It's not as though one just talks about it casually among friends. However, there is a place to hear the betrayed partner's point of view and their side of the story. The wife left before my wife got home, and I felt numb. I couldn't move. I looked like a statue as she drove away. My son snapped me out of it by opening the door and asking me who she was and what she wanted. 
I told him she was trying to sell me something, more like steal something. My world was stolen in my garage that morning. I went in trying to act normal and failing miserably. I went into autopilot until she got home, ten minutes after I called. I just looked at her with her eyes wild, wondering what happened, and said one word, his name. Then I drove to school to drop off my kids. One in elementary, one in middle. The drive home was the longest drive of my life. My driveway loomed ahead of me, taunting me about a life that was versus a life that is. I'm not trying to sound melodramatic, but honestly, looking at my house when I pulled up, it almost filled me with dread, as if it was haunted. When you subscribe to my Patreon, you get access to these exclusive bonus stories, which also include men's stories of their own infidelity. You will have early access to ad-free episodes and, of course, my blundering blooper reel. Visit my website at rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com to subscribe. I ask for a $3 a month pledge with your subscription. Perhaps you even have a story you would like to share. Remember, it's always anonymous and always without judgment. You have been listening to Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity. Your support of the podcast is truly appreciated. Be sure to visit my website at rawtruthstoriesoffemaleinfidelity.com to access story guides, subscribe to Patreon for bonus episode of the men's side of female infidelity, and to vote for this podcast to be in the Hot 50 Countdown for Podcast Magazine. To submit your story for the show, share feedback, or if you have a Let's Ponder suggestion, please email it to rebecca.rawtruth at gmail.com or send by snail mail to Rebecca Adams, P.O. Box 821064, Vancouver, Washington, 98682. Every story is always anonymous. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity is produced and edited by Rebecca Adams. You can follow the show on Facebook at Raw Truth Stories of Female Infidelity, on Instagram at Podcast Raw Truth, and on Twitter at Raw Female. Thank you again, and be kind to one another. Be kind to yourself, and always remember, no judgment. Goodbye. Goodbye.